My name is Randy. Glad to be with you. Sorry I'm so loud. They'll work on that. I'm louder than Mercy, I guess. I'm taller, that's why. Jesus in Matthew 22 said that the highest good that we can do in life is to love God and to love others. And while that sounds really good, it is not as easy as it would seem. So for the last couple of months or so, we have been learning about uh, relational needs as a way to love others better. And while there are a lot of kinds of needs that we have that we can even meet ourselves, needs like you know, food and water and shelter, warmth, we can decide if we want to sleep or not, you know, we can take charge of that. Our needs for protection, people have learned to do that throughout the centuries. That's why they carry guns in Texas, right? Security, safety, you know, the needs for achievement, personal development, all those are needs that we pretty much can take charge of in our own life. But there's a group of needs that can only be met in relationship with others, and those are relational needs. Funny how that is. So we've looked at a number of them over the past uh, month and a half, two months. The need for attention, the need for approval, the need for support, the need for acceptance, Last week, Claire taught on the need for affection, and this week, I want to talk about the need for encouragement. How many of you were discouraged or sad sometime in the last year? Okay, anybody not raising their hand? Okay, I think we got everybody on that one. All right. How many of you were sad or discouraged sometime in the last month? Most of you. Nigel wasn't. Okay, Nigel was not sad in the last month. He says he's not. All right. How many of you were discouraged or sad sometime this last week? Okay, we still got a lot of hands. Okay, so emotions, as we've identified previously in this series, are not good or bad. They are simply gauges on the dashboards of our lives, alerting us that things are happening under the hood of our lives. Right? So, they are helpful indicators of relational needs that need attention. And when someone is discouraged or sad, there is an antidote to that that we will talk about. How many of you have ever had a goal that was very, very important to you, like, you know, completing college or making a certain sports team or marrying a certain person or getting a particular job and you didn't reach the goal? Any of you face that? Most of us have it sometime. How did you feel? Discourage. You like that word. Okay, I've already given you that word. Anybody feel something different? Frustration. That's a, that one's near anger for me. Have you ever found that to be true? Frustration? Okay. Any other feelings that you've had when you've missed the goal? Devastation. It can get that low. Shame even. Okay. What might have helped you reach your goal? Money in some cases. Sometimes, encouragement. Someone coming alongside and saying, keep going, you can do it. Probably the most difficult thing I've ever done in my life has been to plant and lead this church. And real honestly, prior to planting this church, I I had a pretty high view of my abilities and my accomplishments. And pretty much, with God's help, I had accomplished everything I had ever set to do. Even the initial years of this church seemed very successful. Claire and I actually received some notoriety in the vineyard for the rapid growth of this church. But then over the last few years, there's been a slow going out of some key leaders, some people who helped us initially plant the church. And while that has to some felt like and looked like decline, maybe even failure, I have been encouraged by my friends and family and God that that's not my fault. Though I have been tempted on numerous occasions over the last years to think it was my fault and to conclude, well, you know what? I'm just not good enough to be a senior pastor. I must not have the right skills, abilities, heart, or vision to be the key senior leader of this local church. Though very much at a couple of different points, really wanting to step down and to quit, I was encouraged by God and others to hang in there. These past few weeks, I have been, uh, thank you for that encouragement. 
these uh, past few weeks, I have been reading, actually weeks, probably been a couple months now, I have been reading through the book of Acts in my devotional time. And uh, numerous days and passages, I have been just startled by the faithfulness and the resilience of Jesus' followers. Uh, In Acts 5, 17 through 42, we're told the story of Peter and John having been arrested, uh, told not to preach about Jesus, being whipped and beaten. And uh, I don't think most of us would call that a good day. Hi, honey, how was your day? Wow, it was great. Yeah, Peter and I got arrested. We were brought before the Jewish high council. Hey, you know, they even told us to stop preaching and telling about Jesus. Then they beat us, whipped us, and let us go. It was a great day. Right? Kind of crazy. But honestly, that was their response. Listen to the text, Acts 5, 41 and 42. As they left the council, Peter and John rejoiced that they were considered worthy to suffer dishonor for the sake of the name of Christ. And every day in the temple and at home, they did not cease to teach and proclaim Jesus as the Messiah. There's some people who got pretty beat up, not only emotionally, but also physically in this particular story. And yet they pressed on. They endured. They were resilient. And that was really encouraging to me this week. Yesterday morning, prior to working on this message, I was again reading from Acts and another story about Peter. He's kind of in there quite a few times, especially in the first half. Paul kind of takes over in the second half. And I I wrote this in my journal. The way I do my uh, devotional time is I read a section of Scripture. I then interact with that text by writing in a journal. Just kind of interacting, wow, that was really cool of Peter, or wow, that was really weird, and what in the world did that mean? I mean, I write a variety of things, but I interact with the text. Then I usually pray, and I write out that prayer. Um, Again, it's sort of an interaction with the text. God helped me to be able to do that or be like that or something like that. I'm I'm journaling this. So this is what I wrote in my journal after reading this uh, other story uh, about Peter, not the one that I just shared with you a moment ago. And I said, I am wary and weary. I feel old and worn out, but I'm not dead yet. I'm here still. Might I again say to you, here am I, Lord, use me, spend me. Let me be as change in your pocket. Make my life count for eternal good. And then I heard God say this to me, and I wrote it down as he spoke to me. I have and I will. Randy, your life counts because you love me. You are a son. Sons follow in the family business. Some sons are exceptional and outshine their fathers. Others are dutiful and faithful. You are a dutiful and faithful son. You are the faithful steward. Though you don't see all the fruit of your labor, I have and I will answer your prayers for your life to count. It has and it will. As will the lives of your sons and daughters, grandsons, and granddaughters. Yours will be a heritage and a lineage of faithful stewards. That was pretty encouraging. Let's pray. Papa, thank you so much that you are about the business of encouraging your kids. And Lord, everyone in this room has faced discouragement and sadness this week, at least as I looked across the hands. But Lord, you are a faithful God. You are a dutiful, loving, faithful God. And you have led us each day of our lives through the many good times and the many challenging times. And you are interested, you are committed to seeing us encouraged. I pray that we might learn to be like you, to be encouragers of others. Lord, our world is so accustomed to sarcasm and tearing others down. Just shredding people. We call it humor. But Lord, what we need is people to come alongside and build us up. To know us well enough to know when we're facing those challenges and difficulties. To know what really can turn us and encourage us. Lord, we need coaches. We need friends. We need family. To be those cheerleaders, Lord, to help us through the good times and the sad times. And so I pray that you would help us today, that you would spark in us a heart of encouragement 
that we would both experience it and then be able to share it with others. And Father, I pray for our guests that are here especially, that they might hear your encouragement of them, that they might hear you say, I love you, son, I love you, daughter. In Jesus' name, amen. I've had uh, five children, and uh, they all know how to walk, which is very, I'm very thankful for that. I mean, there are children that are born that cannot. But uh, have you ever seen a parent with their firstborn child when the child's learning to walk? You just got to be around it sometime. It is hilarious. I got, I've got a couple of grandsons that are headed in that direction. You know, parents are so excited. They're happy. They're cheering. You'd think their child was becoming president of the United States or something. That's encouragement. Let me give you a definition for encouragement. Encouragement is to urge forward and positively persuade toward a goal. To inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. When I read that, I think, yeah, that's what I want. (laughs) And that's what I want to give made me start thinking about some of the great athletes of our world and realize that somewhere, someplace, somebody encouraged them to the pursuits that they have. I don't know if you're aware of this, but back in December of 1999, as as that century came to an end, the Sports Illustrated held what they called the 20th Century Awards. And they honored the great athletes of the 20th century. And while perhaps some of these men and women may not be as known now as others, they were the greats of the last century. I was surprised. Muhammad Ali was named the greatest sportsman of the 20th century, a boxer, who with a very, very unique combination of skill, style, and character became a three-time heavyweight champion and the world's most adored athlete. You may not like boxing. You may not have even ever known he was around. But that's who was named as the greatest sportsman of the 20th century. Jim Brown was named the best football player of the 20th century. Nine seasons, he rushed for 12,312 yards and 106 touchdowns, won an NFL record of eight rushing titles, and never missed a game. When he retired, he left the game as the NFL's all-time leading rusher. Greatest basketball player of the 20th century? Well, we wished it were Tim Duncan, but he was just getting started, real honestly. And hands down, it would have been Michael Jordan. He was named the best basketball player of the 20th century by Sports Illustrated. Jordan led the Chicago Bulls to six NBA championships, personally received five MVP awards. Jordan also uh, holds records for a career scoring average of 33.4 points a game and leading the league in scoring for 10 seasons. That was a basketball player. I don't know if he was using steroids or not, but uh, he got it done. Jack Nicholas was named the best individual male athlete of the 20th century. Nicholas won a record 18 major golf championships, including a still unmatched record of six Master Cups tournaments. Baseball? Well, it was not the not-so-famous Rabbit Moranville, But it was one of his teammates, the great Babe Ruth, who slugged 714 home runs without steroids. Ruth was not only the dominant player of his day, but also the dominant personality of an era. Thinking about these and and many other renowned men and women, none of them were automatic superstars. They all spent a lot of hard work, and they received a lot of encouragement to do what they did. So let's look for a moment at some biblical examples of encouragement. Throughout the Bible, we're told to encourage others. It's a command in a number of places. And in many places, we can see people doing it. And sometimes watching someone, seeing someone, is almost worth better than just hearing about it. God used Moses to encourage Joshua. Moses was a great leader of the Jewish people in the Old Testament. He performed miracles. He led them through great difficulties, gave them the law and the commandments. He would be a hard leader to follow. But God chose to have Moses' assistant, Joshua, finish leading the people of Israel into the promised land. God, knowing it would be hard for Joshua, told Moses to encourage and strengthen Joshua. 
And in Deuteronomy 31, 7 and 8, it says, Then Moses called for Joshua, and as all Israel watched, he said to him, Be strong and courageous, for you will lead this people into the land that the Lord swore to give their ancestors. You are the one who will deliver it to them as their inheritance. Do not be afraid or discouraged, for the Lord is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor forsake you. Moses was encouraging Joshua to take on a significant task, leading a nation. Most of us in here will probably not ever lead a nation, but we might have to lead a church or a business or a military battalion or a group of employees or a family or a classroom of children or a youth group. Let me point out a couple of things that Moses' his word of encouragement incorporated. Moses encouraged Joshua in public, in front of the very people he was going to lead. That's a pretty profound thing. And again, these million-plus folks are a little disconcerted with the fact that Moses is not going with them. Can you imagine that? You know, this guy who's been with them now for 40 years, leading them on. But it is a new generation. And Joshua is not of that generation, but he's in between that generation and Moses. And so Moses encourages him in public. Moses was also very positive. You will lead these people into the land. He didn't say, well, I sure hope you get it done. Boy, on you know, it'd be, be really nice if you did. No, he said, you will. He pumped Joshua up. You are the one. You are the one who will lead this people. He also warned Joshua of danger. Do not be afraid or discouraged. And he reminded Joshua of God's commitment to him. The Lord is the one who goes before you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor forsake you. Profound picture, guidelines for encouraging others. Another individual who was known as an encourager was a man in the New Testament named Barnabas. Actually, that wasn't his name. His name was Joseph, but the apostles called him Barnabas, which means son of encouragement. On numerous occasions, we see him encouraging others. After Saul, who was later to become Paul the apostle, was saved, he had a hard time connecting with the church at Jerusalem because, honestly, the believers were afraid of him. And appropriately so. Paul, Paul had been a, Saul at that point had been a prosecutor, persecutor, prosecutor, persecutor of the church. He'd been responsible for having people uh, put in jail, being killed. And I suspect that many in the church wondered if he was pretending. Hey, he's trying to get inside so he can find out more about us and get more of us in jail, right? So it was not easy for him to get in. Barnabas, though, comes along and helps. Acts chapter 9, verse 26 and 28. So Barnabas brought Saul to the apostles and told them how Saul had seen the Lord on the way to Damascus. Barnabas also told them what the Lord had said to Saul and how he boldly preached in the name of Jesus in Damascus. Then the apostles accepted Saul. That was pretty helpful. That was pretty encouraging. One of the most rapidly growing churches outside of Israel in the time of the apostles was in the city called Antioch. And when the church at Jerusalem heard of this revival that was happening there, they sent the encourager, Barnabas, to go there. Probably a pretty good guy to do the task. Here's what Luke tells us in Acts 11, 22 through 24. When Barnabas arrived and saw this proof of God's favor, he was filled with joy and he encouraged the believers. Can you imagine that? Just, just kind of fitting for him to encourage He encouraged them to stay true to the Lord. Barnabas was a good man, full of the Holy Spirit and strong in faith, and large numbers of people were brought to the Lord. Soon after that, Barnabas went to find Paul, who had spent 14 years since that time of being introduced to the apostles uh, at Jerusalem. He had spent 14 years away studying, praying, preparing in his hometown of Tarsus, sharing Christ, studying and teaching. 
Barnabas had a sense that Paul had a calling and a destiny. He went to Tarsus. He found him. He brought him back to Antioch to be a part of that church. And that church was then soon to become one of the greatest missionary churches of all time. So let me highlight a number of things that we learn from Barnabas as a person of encouragement. Firstly, he looked for opportunities to encourage others. Yes, he was naturally an encourager. And don't we know some people who are like that? Don't we know the other kind who are naturally discouraging? But Barnabas also looked for, he was on the lookout for opportunities where he could make those kinds of statements and declarations to be an encouragement to others. Barnabas was positive. He looked for the best in people. Again, thinking about the introduction of Saul, uh, who became Paul. I mean, Barnabas just probably never questioned. He heard the story and he thought, hot dog, this is a great guy. Let's get him involved. He looked for the best in people. He also sensed calling and destiny in others. So encouragement can also have that element of calling out things in people. Later on in the uh, this morning, this afternoon, we're going to have a, a time of words of encouragement. And they uh, fit within the realm of the prophetic, uh, sometimes being called words of encouragement. But they often, when initiated by the Holy Spirit, will call forth and will highlight destiny in others. Also, we see Barnabas as one who made connections, and he helped people fulfill their destiny. So those are some key elements of both those two men, and I think they would be helpful to uh, consider how you might incorporate some of those into your own life as you look to encourage others. So if our goal is to learn how to love others better by better caring for their relational needs, what are some ways that we can care for others' need for encouragement. Firstly, we can become alert and recognize when others are discouraged and give encouragement to them. Proverbs 12:25 says, Worry weighs a person down, and encouraging word cheers a person up. Every person goes through difficulties, hard times. And when they do, they need people who know them well enough or notice and give some encouragement. Most of you would know that as a result of the decline of our church's income and our personal family's unique need for medical insurance, I have been seeking other employment since the beginning of August. And since about the middle of September, I have been doing temp work at a business that I had hoped would culminate in my being hired. I've spent about eight weeks there, but on Friday I learned from the owner that he was not going to be hiring me, but instead was going to be hiring a CPA to work for him rather than me, which we had discussed and he had shared with me previously. But even knowing that that was a possibility, um, it was a pretty sad day for me. I was pretty discouraged. In fact, I was on the verge of tears a number of, of times throughout the afternoon. And I found it interesting that my family's response to me was an awesome amount of comfort, which has been great. But my higher relational need is encouragement. And that has come again in my devotional time, that passage, that thing from my journal I shared with you, God encouraging me. And that's been pretty cool. Sometimes words of encouragement can be extremely helpful, and sometimes, real honestly, they're not enough. So we can also encourage others to set goals and then to help them achieve those goals. Sometimes the words, you can do it, you can do it, are great, but not enough. So let's watch the clip. Hello, Jason. So what is this? One of those things that Martha had to wear or what? I see you're at the um, Houston airport. Um, I can get your plane. You got a problem? You don't look like you worked a day in your life. Great. The amazing Kreskin. Look, I don't know what I'm supposed to be doing because no one's been in... Hey! Hey! I'm Gus. I'm your ride. 
from there. Eight feet from the center. What? Lunch will be sent around about 11. Well, how far am I supposed to go? <laughs> Don't worry, you'll run out of post before you run out of Texas. complicated, but it involves land, building materials, and slave labor. They're giving you a shopping mall? <laughs> Not exactly. So it must be the land, right? They're giving that to you? Uh, land's got a lot to do with it, yeah. You don't sound too sure. Well, whatever it is, I gotta survive this geriatric cowboy until he gives it to me, or when I get back, or, or when I'm finished. What? You know what? Let me get back to you, okay? Jason, what? <sighs> so that's it. never done on a ranch. Crazy for being something. You do any work like you just did. 
could do anything. Now aren't you forgetting something? I don't think so. Shoot. The gift. I came here to pick up a gift, remember? Okay, that's from the movie called The Ultimate Gift. I highly recommend it. It's a great um, movie. Do work like that, and you can do anything. Sometimes encouragement doesn't always look quite like encouragement. But coming alongside and helping can be very encouraging. You can do it. You can do it. Those are good words. But they also reflect our society's value for individuality and independence. Now, obviously, if we're in the stands cheering for our son or daughter or friend, all we can really do is yell, go for it. You can do it. You can win. That's good. But a lot of people's life situations are pretty overwhelming where honestly someone coming alongside to help would be much more meaningful than a simple attaboy, you can do it. A few weeks ago we took a special offering for three members of our congregation who have been out of work for some time. The offering for that was about $738. So we were able to divide that up between the two and each received $246.10 to help them out. That was good. But one of those individuals is single and without a family. And though they have very marketable skills and have worked very, very hard, they have been unable to secure a job, so much so that they have been out of work for 13 out of the last 17 months. Now, just to help us catch the difficulty of that, let me ask you, if you were out of work for the next 14 months, how well would you survive? Might be a little hard to pay rent or the house payments. This past week, in fact, this person from our congregation received a notice from their mortgage company that the mortgage company was about to take the next step if the church member didn't come up with the total amount of the missed mortgage payments, which are only the last three months. Pretty amazing. It's about $3,000. Now, that's a pretty significant, overwhelming situation that our member finds themselves in. Upon hearing about this, another one of our members, who also is very knowledgeable about finances and things like that, did some research and gave the person in that difficult situation some information, some options that they could pursue. Another member also gave some information that they had as well as offered to open up their home to the person if it should come to that. Now, friends, those are pictures of encouragement and support. Comfort's good. We need comfort. David will be talking about that next week. But this person needs some encouragement that they're going to make it and some support to actually make it through. And I believe that's what a church community ought to be, though I can't say I've seen it happen very often. Okay, so we can come alongside, we can help. Another thing that we can do is find creative ways to give encouragement. I like the uh, Hebrews 10, 24 through 25 out of the New Living Translation. It says, think of ways to encourage one another to outbursts of love and good deeds. And let us not neglect our meeting together as some people do, but encourage and warn each other especially now that the day of his coming back again is drawing near. So what are some creative things that we could do? Of course, in the world of cell phones, it's really easy to make phone calls these days, right? You can even do it while you're driving, where you used to have time that was wasted before or couldn't do anything about. Now we can use that. We could drop a call to somebody. There's also... Uh, Cards and letters, we still have that kind of form. There still is a U.S. post office. I know many of us use email, of course, and text messaging. I didn't even put it in here. 
Uh, I'd forgotten about that, but uh, don't do that while you're driving, though. It's a little dangerous. Uh, How about a personal visit? How about actually showing up at that person's home? How about inviting them to uh, hang out? Special gifts. It's amazing um, what kinds of things we can do to encourage others. Money's always good. Sometimes anonymous gifts of money is good. A night out. Stop on by. Somebody who's discouraged. Sometimes a change of routine can be helpful, encouraging. Taking to them their favorite restaurant. You know, food especially. Favorite food is a great encouragement. I love my favorite foods. You know, on a number of occasions, Claire and I have been given gift cards to our famous restaurants, which happen to be Macaroni Grill, Olive Garden, Logan's Roadhouse, <laughs> Zio's Italian Kitchen, and Los Palapas, just to, you know, in case you were wondering. It was Pastor Appreciation Month last October that most of you missed. But, so we need to get creative. Pastor's kids appreciate Pastor's church is appreciated. So let's just have a party at Christmas. I think that's what we should do. All right, we will. All right. Anyway, we need to get creative. Um, you know, you don't always just have to give the gift card. You actually can go out to dinner with them and share the encouragement of your friendship with them. That also can be fairly cool. All right, here's another one. Ask people their need and pray for them. What a concept to really actually pray. I mean, how many times do we say, yeah, I'll pray for you? And then, and if you don't do it right then, you'll never remember to do it. So I've learned to do that a long time ago. I'll always pray for them immediately because I may not remember again. But can I pray for you right now is a profound thing to offer. It is a good form of encouragement. I was talking to uh, this individual on the phone the other day that is uh, really facing these significant challenges. And just after sharing and talking, giving some ideas, I just broke out in prayer. Just praying for them uh, in their situation that God would break through and bring his life to them. You know, can I pray for you works well with most Christians, but amazingly it works really well with unchurched people as well. Claire and I have a habit when we're uh, at a restaurant. We don't always remember to do this, but often we tell the waiter or waitress that we're going to pray before we eat, and we ask them if there's anything that we can pray for them about. And, you know, sometimes we get the no thank you, I'm fine. Uh, but a number of times, many times, people are very, very appreciative and often will share a need they have. Now, we let them go back and continue their work, but we pray for them then as we pray for our meal as well. So actually praying for people can be a fairly significant thing of encouragement that we can do. Another thing we can do is give appropriate words of encouragement. Years ago, there was a prophetic person who said to me, Randy, you need to pray on the presentation of your words. Now, I'm not sure if I had offended him, and that's why he said that, or if it was simply a word from God that I need to be careful about my words. But I have tried to remember to do that through the years. There's no question that our words to one another have great power. The Apostle Paul said in his letter to the church at Ephesus, Ephesus 4.29, Do not let any unwholesome talk come out of your mouths, but only what is helpful for building others up according to their needs, that it may benefit those who listen. Only what is helpful for building others up. Our words are to encourage and build people up. They ought not to discourage and tear down. But that's the way of our society. Job experienced this negative side from some of his friends. Job chapter 16, verse 2 through 5, again in the New Living Translation. What miserable comforters you are. Won't you ever stop your flow of foolish words? I could imagine this in a more, you know, uh, easygoing translation. You so-and-so's. Okay. What have I said that makes you speak so endlessly? I could say the same things if you were in my place. I could spout off my criticisms against you and shake my head at you. But that's not what I would do. I would speak in a way that helps you. I would try to take away your grief. We need to pray and be thoughtful about our words, especially to those who are in need of encouragement. The psalmist also highlighted this in Proverbs. Psalmist. The Proverbs uh, writer highlighted this in Proverbs 12, 18. Reckless words 
pierce like a sword, but the tongue of the wise brings healing. That's what we need to learn to do for one another. And then a last one that I'll offer. We can encourage others to pursue their relationship with God. In 1 Samuel 23:16, we're told Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. You know, as I said, many people's situations in life are very trying. They're very challenging. One of our members uh, was served with papers of divorce a couple weeks ago. Another member's spouse filed for divorce this week. We need to know what are the words that we can give, but we also need to know that it is okay after giving some words of comfort, things like, I'm really sad to hear that happened, or you must be feeling a lot of pain. I'm so sorry. I can hardly imagine what you're feeling. Following words of comfort like that, we also can briefly give encouragement for them to hang on to God. One of the very last things that Jesus said to his followers, which includes us, was now don't forget, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. And while that's often very hard to get when someone is discouraged, it is the truth. And Jesus said the truth will set us free. Encouragement. To urge forward and positively persuade toward a goal. To inspire with courage, spirit, or hope. Those are one of the ways that we can love others better and that I hope that we can learn to do as a congregation. If I could have some of the folks come up that have been trained in giving encouraging words, that would be very helpful right now. Benjamin, did that mic ever get functional? Because this is going to be hard. This one's real short. Okay, Um, what our church went through some training a few years ago uh, that trained us to be more alert to uh, God and to what he's doing and to give encouraging words, which, as I suggested earlier, uh, are connected to prophetic words. One of the things that I learned a long time ago relative to praying for other people is somewhat I find similar. Others here may not find this as significant, but when I go to pray for individuals, I'll often pray in the natural. Things I know about them, you know, especially someone who needs encouragement. We know issues in their life, perhaps, that we can extend to them. And so we pray about those things that we know. We pray in the natural. But while we're praying for someone, we can expect or anticipate God to come and give us supernatural words for them as we pray. And that's similar in these kinds of settings for giving encouraging words. So what we're going to do is I'm going to pray, take a moment and pray and invite the Holy Spirit. And then we uh, who are up here, who have had this training, are going to kind of look out over you all that are here and uh, hopefully get some leading for Uh, a few of you that we can give words to. And then what I'd like to do is just do um, two or three of those. Um, We'll we'll highlight the same person. And then we're going to break up into clusters of two, and we're going to come out to you so that everybody can get words of encouragement tonight. That's what we're going to try. So let's pray. What time is it? Anyone? Two? Cool. We're we're okay. We don't have to be out of here till 11 tonight. Yeah. No, we have to be out before six, so we're, we're cool. We won't go that long. Father, thank you that you are a God of encouragement, that you have uh, demonstrated that to us, that you've done it for us, and we thank you that you want to do that tonight. Lord, it is in your character to encourage, to build up, to speak words that edify. And so we welcome you, we welcome you, Holy Spirit, to bring now your light 
upon the circumstances of these here that we could share your words of encouragement to them. Thank you that this is something you want to do, that you are already doing. We welcome you to do it in Jesus' name. Amen. Sometimes it takes a minute to engage for some of us. Plus, there's so many of us that everybody can kind of go, well, somebody else will do it. So, Mercy's got something to start. We can go there. Um, I have a word for Jennifer. You? <laughs> yes. Um, I just felt like I heard that um, the Lord really wants to um, tell you that he really loves you and that he is always there behind you to guide you and lift you up when you fall and he is always going to be with you and he really loves you a lot. Jennifer, was that encouraging? Cool. Okay, I have a word for Patsy. And um, I just feel that the Lord wants me to encourage you because I know the last few uh, like months have been rather hard, and well, even the last several years. And I just feel that the Lord just uh, just wants me to tell you that He loves you, and He's just so uh, happy that you are just persevering even through this hard time. And I mean. Even with this hard time, you've been a blessing, especially for those of us that have been have been through the VLI intensives at your house. And it's just great to have you around. one for both Jamie and Patsy and um, I just see that the Lord is looking down on you and he's really seeing how hard you're working as parents and he wants to let you know that he sees it and you're gonna you're gonna come through and your kids are going to follow the Lord for all the days of their life Okay, Peg, Um, knowing your situation and can very well imagine the enemy's um, words and temptations to you. And I just want to say to you as uh, a son of God that you count, that you matter, that you matter to him, that you matter to us, and that even though this circumstance and situation might... um, seem to you to show that isn't true it is and anything other than that is a lie this word is for Joyce McKay and um, just felt like the Lord wants you to know that uh, you have no idea uh, the reputation he is building in, uh, in and through you in that place where you work that there will come a time where you will be training others because they're going, your company is going to recognize something unique and different about it. And you're going to be able to really uh, very clearly communicate that it was because of God. And you won't feel hindered to let people know where that came from, that power, that wisdom, that capacity. And just really felt um, like there was um, a light on you um, that was... <laughs> That um, it was more like, um, like if I could see the part, northern part of San Antonio, like there was a star light where you reside and where you work, and that your home and your work both are places where you rule and you reign, and uh, your, your sphere of influence is much greater than you are aware of, and it, that it was going to increase. And the other thing I saw was... Um, that the Lord promised something to you when um, you had Trent, uh, when you were um, pregnant. And I don't know what that was, but he hasn't forgotten that promise. 
and it's going to come through. I don't want to cut this off, so I will look one more time. This is for Chelsea uh, specifically, but then anyone else that, well, (laughs) anyone can claim it. However, in order for it to fit, you need to be the youngest child in the family. So if that fits, raise your hand. <laughs> Way to go, Scott. <laughs> Let me move over here. Um, being a youngest child and married to a youngest child, uh, we have... Um, special awareness of what those what that birth order means and there are special there are challenges that are specific to being the youngest child in a family but the Lord is aware of those challenges and he prepares special opportunities for us us all everyone that has raised their hands and I just want to encourage you that um, there, you have known some special times, but you are going to know some really special time as time goes on, uh, especially over the, the next three years. You're going to have some really unique uh, experiences to, as compared to other experiences that your siblings have had. I don't know what that looks like, but it's going to be something unique that you will be able to recognize. Oh, this is something God has done for me to to show me that he knows that I'm an individual. Okay, I was gonna. I'm gonna break it at this point, so you can go to that person if uh, one, person. one person. Well, the, all right, then I'll let you give it. It's it's really an invitation, okay. uh, and I was praying if I should offer it or not, but. Um, I was in living in Dallas area before I came here, and I was uh, able to experience a season of where laughter and joy was a real part of the ministry there. And I have specifically been praying that God would bring that forth in this body. So I am inviting you to pray that God would bring the Holy Spirit to give you that laughter that hurts way down here that you can't stop, that brings healing uh, from whatever. It brings a healing up and out. Mm-hmm. All right, that's good. Uh, yes. All right, let's uh, just kind of move out into the congregation and uh, get with some folks. And um, I think we'd be better off in twos. Jesus sent them out in two by two. And I think that is a good model. So um, Claire is giving some uh, coaching direction here. All right. The rest of you, just head on out. We'll take a few minutes to stay where you're at. We'll come to you. And uh, we'll trust the Father to continue to give some encouragement.